On today's panel, we have Christy. She's a registered dietitian, marathon runner, wife, and mama to a toddler. Christy is a small town girl who never thought she enjoyed living in a big city and an ice cream lover who grew up as a picky eater and became a veggie lover and the back of the pack high school runner who was pushing her limits to break three hours in the marathon. Now she uses her personal experiences to inspire other female runners to nourish their bodies without restriction. She teaches them to reframe their mindset around food and use food as fuel through sports nutrition and intuitive eating practices. Her clients are not only reaching their performance goals, but also improving their lifestyle. And today we also have Courtney Burling. She's a registered dietitian, an avid runner as well. She's a new mom and military spouse. After having her daughter nine months ago, she opted not to return to her previous job at a diabetes center. Instead, she has started her own virtual nutrition coaching practice. Courtney loves being able to mesh her love of running and nutrition to help female runners learn how to fuel their bodies right to avoid a harmful impacts of underfueling. She's on a mission to help change the mindset that runners have to be thin to win. Welcome to the panel, ladies. Thanks Thank for you. Us. We're going to kick this off by discussing this question. So body image for runners is a very sensitive topic, as you both well know. So can you share does this issue, uh, how this issue really affects your market's daily lives? Yeah, I think, you know, body image is something that plagues our entire society, not just the running community, but I see it in all of the runners that I work with. And so the way I approach body image is that's kind of the foundation in order to build on those nutrition practices. If we don't have good body images, it's hard to fuel our bodies right. Therefore, it makes it much harder to perform well. So body image is something that's like the first thing that we talk about you know, and it affects everybody a little bit differently. And I think a lot of society thinks runners don't have this issue because most runners are thin. But when you get to the starting line of a race, there's always going to be somebody that maybe looks more like a runner than you, um, whether it's the clothes they're wearing, the, you know, shape or size of their body. And so everybody deals with insecurities no matter what you look like. And until we can find a way to really love our body at every size and embrace, you know, if you have bigger legs, that means your legs are more powerful and more strong. And so reframing those thoughts to love our body really helps to fuel and nourish our bodies so we can, you know, live well, but perform well as well. Yeah, I like how you said starting out with the body image piece, because so often I feel like, Lots of people get into running to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And so they have this, like that's their mindset getting into running. So they want to keep it going. And they have this fear of maybe gaining weight where they used to be at. So then, you know, they lost weight at the beginning because maybe they hadn't been exercising or just doing a different activity or exercising more. And then along with it, typically going on a diet um, where they're restricting calories and the weight can come off really easily, but then it can become like this addictive habit as well. And, you know, it kind of going back to the body image piece is like, like you said, Courtney, having that the foundation can be so helpful in order for runners to give them, themselves permission to feel their body to 
eat the carbs, which maybe they had restricted for a while. But yeah, it's, it's definitely probably the number one challenge, I would say, with all the runners I work with as well. And it's not, there's not like an easy answer to help them overcome it. It's just like a constant work in progress. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's a process. It, there's good days and there's bad days. And I always have my runners make a list of things that they love about themselves that's not not related to running or not related to obviously how they look. But you know, are you a good friend? Are you a good, you know, mom? Or you know, what else is going on? So they have that list to go back to when they're having like what I call a bad body image day, you know, they just don't feel good in their skin that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. That's power. Yeah. Is there anything? Oh, I'm sorry, I was gonna ask Christy, what, what do you what's kind of like one tip you usually give your runners to help them with like overcoming body image issues? Yeah, so I guess some of my favorite is using affirmations or actually like writing down an affirmation that resonates with them or I give them examples and then like posting it where they see it throughout the day. So mm-hmm. like putting it up on them, their mirror, using it as a background in their phone, putting a, a note by their computer desk just to be a constant reminder or like, you know, going on social media and unfollowing those individuals that you know they start comparing themselves with I mean I think the comparison game is huge yeah especially the girls I work with that are still in like high school or college I think it it happens even into adulthood but I think that college age group is really severe you know with body image they're always kind of one-upping each other and getting some faulty information from somewhere on the internet and sharing those kind of bad diets with each other and I find it to be a slippery slope with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I work with women in their fifties, sixties as well. And it's something that they're still struggling with. You know, sometimes you expect, you know, that not to be challenging anymore, but if it's something that they've, that's been constantly on their mind their whole life growing up, trying to hop from one diet to the next, it's still a challenge. And to try and rewire that brain from, decades of of thinking that way like you know it's hard takes time some days are going to be better than others yeah exactly and I think you know another thing that has helped some of my runners in the past is you know having them understand where these thoughts are coming from that they need to be thinner or that their body shouldn't change you know and one of my college runners just recently her mom said in high school she said something like oh you're done growing And just those words like sat with her as her body, like she wasn't even like a woman yet. Like she barely hit puberty when her mom said those words. And so, you know, a lot of times I have to remind her, like, you're supposed to grow. Your body is supposed to change. Like that is part of life. And so, you know, but you're right. Just those constant reminders and like check-ins with your athletes is so important. Yeah, that's really, really helpful, ladies, being able to dive deep and share how you are both working very similarly in terms of helping your ideal clients reach this state of having a better body image. And can you guys share a little bit about some of these food rules? I heard you guys mention a few. I heard the not eating carbs. So a follow-up question that I have is, how are you combating that? Because I feel like in the running community especially, that's like a real fear. So I guess it's two parts. How much are you seeing that as a fear? And then how do you guys address slash approach it with your clients? 
Yeah, it's a big fear. And like, I think they know like carbs are energy. I, I guess it goes back to the two sides of the brain where they they know that carbs are energy for their body, but there's this huge fear, like literally big fear around it. And so, I mean, one thing that's nice, I guess, with running is like, and eating in general, like once you include carbs in your breakfast and your meals, you can feel the results right away in your run. So like that's, that's helpful in that sense um, where, you know, let's just experiment and try adding a piece of bread with your breakfast, with your eggs and your fruit and see how you feel. And feeling, having that experience, it's helpful, but obviously that fear is still there and it's still a constant like, okay, let's, let's take another step and move forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I usually will have them do the same thing. Like I'll have them write down the food rules that they think they have. And sometimes there's more that they don't even realize they have created. And same, same as Christy, you know, when they're ready to break a food rule, I have them relate to how was your training affected by it? You know, and maybe initially they'll say, oh, I had a lot of guilt or I had a lot of anxiety around that. But then they'll say, oh, and my run felt so good. Or, oh, and my muscles weren't sore the next day. Or, oh, I had so much energy. Or I was able to, you know, go to that party and enjoy, you know, being out with my friends. And, you know, that is so rewarding for me, of course, hearing that. But I think, you know, it takes a few, more than a few, reoccurrences of that happening before it starts to kind of settle into them that, like, this is a better way to eat and to live my life. And so it just takes a lot of practice. But chipping away at those food rules just one at a time and helping them uncover what rules they don't even know they have yet. Yeah, it's it's so common for there to be so many rules. Like all of runners come to me and they're like, no, I don't have any food rules. And then they're, <laughs> and then it becomes like, you know, I just eat healthy. Well, that means I just have chicken breast to eat and I don't eat chicken thighs or, you know, dark meat or red meat. They're very hidden because they just think they're eating healthy. Yeah. I've even heard just recently from somebody, oh, I'm allergic to blank. And it was something that I've never really heard an allergy to. And we kind of, you know, uncovered that. And there was no allergy there, just a, a, a fear is what it was. So that's always interesting too. Mm -hmm. Thank you ladies for sharing that because I find that a lot of people listening are working with clients very much like you all. And it can be very helpful to hear that this is like a common thing that as a practitioner you face. And to hear these amazing ideas and solutions, these might be some that people haven't even heard of before. So thanks for sharing so many awesome tips. I especially love uh, writing down what you said, Christy, writing down affirmations, posting them in places that they would be able to check out. Uh, I also love that you shared, Courtney, having them to list like non-body related things that they're proud of, such as being a great friend. So what wonderful, wonderful tips for those out there who want to serve their clients on a higher level. So let's dig even more into the food piece. So you guys are both intuitive practitioners. So how do you express the power of your approach in helping your clients improve performance? Yeah, so I guess I would say there's a lot of pressure to count calories or count macros out there and even maybe an expectation as a runner to do that, especially, and it can come from like 
a good mindset as well. Like I want to make sure that I'm eating enough for the calories I'm burned, but it can also come from like that diet mentality. Either way, I think it can become a cycle. And we know like we can't determine how many calories we need every day. There's so many fluctuations. Only when we truly listen to our body and understand how to listen to it, that's when we can really fuel it the best. So I think the integration of sports nutrition and intuitive eating is very unique because there is definitely times when, you know, we have to eat when we aren't hungry or feel hungry or understanding that a feeling nauseous is a sign of hunger. So like after a long run or a hard workout where, you know, the last thing you want to do is maybe even look at food or have something to eat or chew food, you know, we know sports nutrition wise, that's the prime time to help refuel your muscles. And so integrating those two is like very unique and I think appreciated and an area that isn't always covered or not very well covered in, you know, the dietitian space and community. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you hit the nail on the head with the sports nutrition science piece is just a little bit different than the rest of, you know, the intuitive eating principles, because there has to be this like overdrive of we need to eat, you know, just because we're either going to work out or we just got back from a workout, even if you might not be hungry. And I always remind my runners that um, the stomach is a muscle and it needs to be trained as well. So, you know, so many people are not hungry in the morning or like you said, Chrissy, you can't eat after, you know, a long run or a hard workout. And, you know, so if we just kind of train our bodies to start eating at those times, it kind of overdrives that intuitive eating fact or, you know, the, the way intuitive eating really wants us to listen to our body. But I would say on the flip side of that too, you know, there's so many runners that are like, I just ate lunch. There's no way I could be hungry. And, you know, that's just your body asking for more or, you know, you're craving carbs. Well, that's because your body is actually begging you for more carbohydrates. And so that's where that intuitive eating piece really comes in to help um, with performance is if you do listen to your body, it's going to tell you exactly what you need and when you need it. It's just that the mind tends to overrule, you know, and we try to be almost too healthy to achieve our goals and being too healthy um, often leads to underfueling, which is not going to take you very far in your performance. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, ladies, for sharing those insights. And I noticed you both share this passion for helping your runners PR. So I would love for you guys to kind of share some some action steps for those out there that are looking to really get faster. And they're at this point where they have these unintentional food rules, they're unsure where to start. What are some of like the first things that you do or say to your clients who are looking to not only like still maintain their their speed and get out there, but also break this mental barrier and chains of their food rules? I mean, that's a really good question because I think that's where a lot of runners get caught up is like, we know certain foods are healthier than others, you know? And so I always encourage my runners to take the labels off of food and not look at, at it as good or bad food because I mean, the fact is, white bread and, you know, uh, even like a sugary cereal is perfect before you go run, you know, so there is a time and a place for all food. And so, you know, it's still okay to, to focus on having, you know, balanced plates. And that's one thing we always work on is, you know, making sure that we're having enough carbs on, you know, harder run days, but on easier days, we still have those carbs. 
we just have more vegetables with it. And so, you know, honoring your health in this and still choosing, you know, foods that taste good, sound good, are, uh, you know, if you want to say with quotes, healthy for you, but knowing that there are no bad foods out there either in one, you know, dessert here or there is certainly not going to ruin your training. It's really just going to add fuel to your fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, focusing on like, all food is fuel for your body. Like carbohydrates are broken down into glucose, which your body uses. It doesn't matter if it's coming from quinoa or a piece of candy. And so often like runners, especially those running higher mileage are going to need to like add quote unquote, those unhealthy foods or higher calorie, calorie dense foods to their meals. So they have energy. So they're getting enough energy to be running. But yeah, as far as like for getting faster, I think Courtney had made a really good Instagram post about how the foundation of becoming a faster runner is your relationship with food, having a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. with food, because you have to have that before you can move forward with understanding balance plates and how that incorporates, you know, giving yourself permission to have those carbs. Okay, now we can eat those carbs in combination with Uh, fats and proteins and fruits and vegetables, and then adding, you know, sports, the sports nutrition pre supplements on top of it, but it kind of builds on top of each other. And, you know, one thing that I always talk about, you know, with my runners as well is like, your everyday meals are more important than what you're eating right before, during or after a run, like your everyday meals is what is what's fueling you. Yeah, I was right as you were talking, Christy, I was like, oh, I've got to make that point. That's so perfect. Because, you know, that's the first question, right, that runners want to know, what do you eat before you run? Or what do I should, what should I eat after my run? Well, I mean, it does matter. But only if you're meeting that previous foundation of, you know, having enough adequate energy intake throughout the day. So absolutely. Thank you, ladies, so much for having this really helpful discussion today. I would love for you both to share where people can find you on social media. So for me, Christy, I'm at marathon.nutritionist on Instagram. And for me, Courtney Burling, I am at eatwell.performbetter on Instagram. So you can find me there. Perfect. Thank you, ladies, for taking the time to really dive into this insanely important and sensitive topic I know the listeners will appreciate your professional insights and be sure to check out their content so you can continue, if you are a practitioner, to learn how they're helping their clients reach their performance goals. And of course, if you're someone who's struggling, you can find so many helpful tips on their pages as well. So thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, if there's um, a second too, I would like to say, you know, in offline, we were talking about that there's room for everybody. And, you know, that's one thing I think that's really important for the listeners to know, because Christy was doing this way before I was, and we kind of know each other, our sisters know each other. So I had reached out to Christy. When I saw her page, I was just amazed. And, you know, this was way, way before I even had a business. And so Christy and I had Zoom chatted what back in like March, April, and she kind of started throwing these thoughts around, had just started working with Libby. And, you know, I thought, wow, I guess I could do this. And then, you know, I didn't even have an Instagram. I mean, I had a personal Instagram, but that was it. And so she was a big inspiration for me. And, you know, I thought maybe I should do a different niche because she's already in this. And my husband's words to quote him were, Target didn't 
you know, say, oh, there's already a Walmart, I shouldn't open up my doors, you know, and I thought that was so good. And so, you know, I, I dove into this as well. And ever since then, Christy and I will either DM back and forth or hop on a Zoom call and run ideas past each other. So, you know, I really encourage you to, you know, collaborate with other people in your niches. Oh my gosh, thank you for those parting words. I think that's such important advice. So for those of you who are out there that are considering joining the program, go check out their pages and see that there is space for you because Courtney and Christy's pages are wildly different. And I love the fact that you guys are communicating very similar ideas, but in your own unique voice, in your own creative way, that's going to attract people that are going to relate and connect with you guys on an individual level. So yes, it's all about sharing the space and it's all about being able to support the client, not about competition. So thank you for that, Courtney. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone. And be sure to tune in to our future panels. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.